Hey there, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. So it's been a year, 2020. Um, oh, I saw a meme that said something like, um, 2020 might not be the year we wanted, but it might just be the year we needed. And I don't know if you would subscribe to a statement like that. I tend to try to seek the lesson and make lemonade out of lemons, you know, bright line friendly lemonade if there is such a thing, maybe just mild lemon water or something like that. But um, yeah, so I would subscribe to something like that. I, I try to see the best in things, but I want to talk in this vlog about the impact the impact to our systems physiologically, hormonally, um, and in particular in terms of weight retention. So I got a phone call and a voicemail uh, yesterday, I think. James Hefke called me up. Um, James Hefke is the guy that I've featured in the vlog a couple times. Hefke, H-E-F-K-E. You can search the vlog uh, page at brightlineeating.com and see the two vlogs that I put out. Uh, one was, you know, pretty soon after he started his Brightline Eating journey at 28 years old and 372 pounds. And um, James left me a voicemail the other day saying, hey, um, just checking in and uh, I'm almost um, down 100 pounds and, uh, but I weighed in this week and I didn't lose anything for the first time. He's been weighing himself every week since he started Brightline Eating almost six months ago and he's lost weight every single week except this week. You know, and the last week or two have been intense, um, globally speaking, and I wanted to talk to you and to him about why I'm hearing this on Facebook Lives as well a lot. Now, James's bright lines are immaculate. And I'm hearing people say on Facebook Lives, they're writing in and saying, um, hey, my weight's up this week and I haven't changed my food at all. My lines are perfectly bright. Um, or uh, yeah, I'm struggling uh, right now uh, to take off weight when I wasn't before. And I've been talking about cortisol with them. Um, um, I've been talking about cortisol a lot lately. Cortisol is a stress hormone. It's maybe the stress hormone. It's the dominant stress hormone. And cortisol is what we would call a Goldilocks hormone in that it's really important that you have the right amount of it, not too much and not too little. Um, cortisol is needed. It provides sort of activation energy. It provides get up and go. And, um, you know, it helps the system um, meet the demands of the day. And cortisol follows quite a daily pattern um, that's predictable. It's tied to our circadian rhythm. Um, so if you get your cortisol measured, you have to do it like within a certain number of minutes upon awakening. Otherwise, it's hard to read the number because cortisol is going to rise and fall during the day by a lot. Um, and cortisol, if there's too much of it, which a lot of us are experiencing due to um, the stressors, the extra stressors that are in our environment these days, um, if there's too much cortisol, it leads to weight gain. Um, and cravings and uh, weight retention, especially around the abdomen. Awesome. So how does it do that? Well, basically, 
uh, one of the things cortisol does, it's, it's sort of part of the sympathetic nervous system, globally speaking, that fight or flight, that sort of ramped up, revved up uh, aspect of the autonomic nervous system that basically says, hey, fight, flight, freeze. Um, there's a threat around something's going on. And one of the things that cortisol does is it um, helps the release of blood sugar into the system um, to create the energy to fight or flight, right? To fight or flee. Um, and that spike in blood sugar then leads to a release in insulin, which leads to a sugar crash, which leads to cravings. And um, also to uh, the excess blood sugar, excess insulin results in fat storage. And oh, by the way, there's four times the cortisol receptors in the abdomen, in the gut, than in other parts of the body. So it actually leads to fat retention in the abdomen in particular. Um, it also leads to cravings in a different way, not related to blood sugar spikes and crashes, um, but in the brain, because when cortisol spikes in the brain, what happens is um, that kicks uh, the brain into thinking there's a threat to our survival and we better do something fast to ensure our safety and survival. And there are four compensating um, neurochemicals, um, either neurotransmitters, neuropeptides, or hormones that um, can convince the brain that we've taken a good action to ensure our survival. And they are dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and endorphin. Um, dopamine is one of the easiest to get because all you got to do is eat a bunch of um, crappy food and you get a huge spike in dopamine. You can also go watch some pornography. There's lots of other things you can do to get dopamine too that are way healthier. Anything that gives the brain that um, sort of uh, feeling of making progress toward a goal um, or achieving a goal. So that sort of Eureka, I found it, I got it, I'm, I'm pursuing the right thing, I'm making progress, I'm, um, I'm hot on the tail of what I want to need. I mean, gosh, you can get that from doing a crossword puzzle, right? Like, oh, I thought of the word, and oh, I'm making progress toward filling in this puzzle. Um, you can get that from playing video games, you can get that from filling out a nightly checklist, um, or committing your food for the next day. Um, but the sort of default way of getting a flood of dopamine that many of us have become accustomed to is by just eating a bunch of uh, snacky foods, right? Um, or sweet foods or whatever, processed foods, sugar and flour foods. And so when cortisol rises and we're um, in the habit of uh, reassuring the brain with a dopamine surge, in the form of eating food, we can get trapped into a vicious downward cycle because, vicious circle is the proper term, sorry. Um, we can get trapped into a vicious circle because cortisol surges, we eat some excess food, that calms down the brain temporarily. And then in the aftermath of having eaten all this food that we know we didn't wanna eat, it's not on our plan, it's not how we're trying to treat ourselves, it's out of integrity. Um, then the disappointment and perhaps shame and frustration at ourselves from having done that releases more cortisol. And um, now we've got an extra uh, additional cortisol surge that if we address that with more food, now we're in a downward shame spiral. <sighs> Even if we're not eating like that, 
even if we're not eating like that, we might be experiencing what James was talking about, which is, yo, my program's strong, my lines are bright, and I'm either gaining weight or not losing weight anymore, what gives? And what gives is there's more cortisol probably in your system right now. That, now, that's not going to be true for everybody in this day and age. Not everybody is equally impacted by the events that are going on in the world, globally speaking, in 2020. Um, but it's really hitting some of us, you know, it really is. And the collective reverberations um, are in the air, right? They're in, they're, I don't even know, it's all beyond my pay grade how that stuff works, but the, the sort of pulsing of the impact on humankind right now is intense. Um, and again, not everybody has an equal dose of sort of receptors for that kind of thing, but um, those of us who are more empathic are going to be profoundly impacted. Those of us who are tun tuning into the news are going to be more profoundly impacted. Those of us who um, have loved ones who, uh, or ourselves, who are directly impacted by the events of 2020, um, all of them, <laughs> all the events of 2020, so many, right? Those of us who are um, attached to narratives of upset about how it's coming down or um, so forth are going to be more directly impacted, right? Cortisol, 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 cortisol. And that impacts our weight and our food and our weight and our food and our weight and our food in the ways that I've just described. So what to do about that? Um, well, first of all, cortisol's a stress hormone and the antidote is calm. It's calm. And, you know, a good mantra right now would be easy does it. If you like the bunny slippers notion, I, I shot a bunny slippers vlog not that long ago. That's a good one. I think there's another set of perspectives that's really helpful though. It has to do with building into your bright line eating program the importance of recovery and maintenance. Like a car, right? We build into our concept of owning a car that we have to change the oil, that when we're driving it, we can't let the RPMs go into the 8,000, 9,000, 10,000, 12,000, 13,000 range. We got to keep those RPMs, you know, in a reasonable range. We can't just uh, accelerate to the max. Um, that we have to rotate the tires, we have to do basic maintenance, right? If we're gonna take a long trip, we have to build in car maintenance, we have to stop for gas. And I think sometimes on our Brightline Eating journey, we can forget that orientation that sometimes less is more and stopping momentarily for needed maintenance is actually the fastest way to get to our destination, right? In the same way that NASCAR drivers, um, they stop and change the tires, right? The team changes the tires, even though they're driving it. I don't know what speeds they hit, right? Whatever. I'm going to make up a number 200 miles an hour around a track. They literally stop and change the tires. Why? Because if you don't do that, ultimately down the line, you wear out the whole system, right? So I think it's important to build in the concept of needed recovery, and so many of us have 
um, parts of us, particularly uh, particular uh, food controller, food manager parts that tend toward the perfectionistic or the task manager type archetypes, right? Um, that can at times turn into little slave drivers on us, right? That it's not okay to stop. It's not okay to do less. It's not okay to rest. It's not okay to slow down. It's not okay to just um, uh, stop to change the tires, right? Stop for an oil change. Stop to gas up. But if we frame it as gassing up, oil change, changing the tires, and we build a maintenance schedule like the kind that you get with a car that says you got to change the oil every X thousand miles and so forth, um, that kind of explicit structure can calm down that sort of task manager, perfectionist part of us if we have one. Um, so I want to offer a framework for doing that in relation to our morning routine and our evening routine. Now, these are concepts that I introduced in the course Brightline Grit that I offered recently, and so I want to include them in this vlog here for everyone, because I think that they're uh, one approach, one helpful small slice of a tool that helps to provide some antidote for this problem of cortisol run amok that I think is happening right now. So in Brightline Eating, I encourage people to build a morning routine and an evening routine. I talk about it in the book, Brightline Eating. I talk about it in the boot camp. We talk a lot about it in Reboot Resume. We talk a lot about it in Brightline Grit. And the general idea is um, a Brightline life is not just about eating certain foods and not eating other foods. And it's not a food plan. It's a way of life. And part of that way of life has to do with waking up in the morning and having an automated, ritualized set of things we do that set, set us up for a bright line day. That might include meditating. It might include making a recovery phone call. It might include, if you're a bright lifer, hopping on the accountability call that happens every morning. Um, it might include some journaling. It might include, um, anyway, any number of things. For me, these days, it's meditation, it's exercise, it's phone calls. Um, you know, it's, it's my breakfast and so forth, right? And then I start my day. I want to introduce you to the concept of having a floor and a ceiling for your morning and evening routines. This is not my idea. Um, I believe, although I haven't read the book, uh, I believe it goes back to Stephen Guise, who wrote a book called How to Be an Imperfectionist how to be an imperfectionist. And the way the idea came to me is through Brian Johnson and um, the Optimize movement that he started. And I have a couple of team members in Brightline Eating uh, who are in Brian Johnson's Optimize course. And so they're the ones who told me about this idea. And I think it's great. So the idea is that um, when the tank is full, uh, you're raring to go, you drive the car, everything's great, right? Those are ceiling days. Those are days when you do your full morning routine. You do your full evening routine, whatever your evening routine consists of, a nighttime inspirational reading, your nightly checklist, maybe some more meditation, maybe some journaling, a gratitude journal, a five-year journal, whatever it is, whatever your nighttime bright line eating, writing down your food for the next day, committing it to someone, um, all those things are 
potential options that could go into an evening routine. When it's all systems go, you do the ceiling, which is the full complement of that structure. And it's important that you do the same things in the same order so that it becomes automatic. When the system is under duress, when it's time for an oil change, when you need to, um, you know, like maybe you haven't slept or maybe you've got to take a kid to urgent care for because you think that they have an ear infection, whatever, right? You get home later than you intended. It's already past your bedtime. Now it's time for the floor version of your nighttime routine or your morning routine the next day. The floor version is a deliberately explicit pared down version that is the minimum. Brian Johnson says, it's okay to suck, it's not okay to skip. Um, so the idea is you give a nod to the identity of I am a person who does bright line eating and who has a morning routine and an evening routine, uh, but you also give a nod to the reality that um, there are times when the wisest choice is not to go all out. It's not to take uh, the full um, uh, time to do the whole thing. You do a floor version of it. So for me, my evening routine is quite explicit. My husband always teases me that it takes me two hours to go to bed and that is not too far off from the truth. Um, and there's a pared down version that uh, can take me 15 minutes, like really pretty short. Instead of the full teeth brushing, tongue scraping, flossing, uh, pick brushing between the teeth, mouthwash, like it's five things that I do to my teeth every night. I could just brush them. Literally that saves 10 minutes. Um, and then instead of the whole rest of the, of the nighttime, nighttime routine that I do, I could just write in my five-year journal. That's something I never miss. I've, I think I've missed once or twice in almost 10 years. Um, I just don't miss it. Um, and so for me, I, there's no reason it's like more valuable than the rest of the things. I just personally like to never miss it. So that would be my minimum. That would be my minimum. For me in the morning, my morning routine takes a couple hours as well. I get up at 5.30 and uh, I start eating, I start making my breakfast. I get up at 5.20, I start making my breakfast at 7.30. So that's two hours before an hour of that's exercise, um, the meditation, and a couple of phone calls, um, I could do an abridged version of that. I can text my people and say, I'm not taking calls today. And I can um, meditate for a minute. Just BFF, just breathe, feel my body, find my feet. That's it. Just a nod to the meditation. If I wanted to do a nod to the exercise, I could, you know, drop and do, you know, a 30 second plank and go on my way, right? In three minutes, I could be ready to walk out the door or ready to start my breakfast. Um, James Clear talks about even when your system is under the most stress, it can be very helpful to give deference, to give a nod to the identity of someone who doesn't miss who doesn't miss. And even if you do miss, he says, never miss twice. Never miss twice. So what's nice about making something like this explicit is that perfectionist part of us, if we really uh, 
convince them that uh, the car won't run forever without an oil change, right? Um, if we really convince them that um, the whole system suffers when cortisol is too high, we will not um, uh, take off our weight. We won't be healthy and happy long-term if we idle with excess cortisol floating in our system for too long. And the first order of priority in times of stress is to get the entire system back to calm. If we can convince that perfectionist part or that task manager part of us that, um, and we have an explicit sort of plan B, a, a floor option that we activate during those times, um, yeah, everything can run a little smoother and we can, um, with no guilt, as a matter of fact, with um, relief and joy um, and gratitude, switch into a lower gear mode in order to restore balance to the system for the good of the entire system. So if you're experiencing difficulty with cravings right now or with weight gain, with trying, with struggling to keep your lines, it's probably cortisol that's happening right now. And um, the solution to that is to really, really get yourself support working the Bright Line Eating program. Like if you haven't done the boot camp, do the boot camp. Um, if you're not in Bright Lifers, uh, do the boot camp, then get in Bright Lifers. There's a way to get yourself enough support to manage during this time. Um, if it's really about your lines aren't bright, um, with extra cortisol on board, that's going to hit you harder. Cortisol dysregulates the insulin blood sugar system even more, meaning your system will react more strongly and more negatively to any sugar and flour that you put into your system right now. If your lines are bright and your weight is climbing a little bit or you're just not losing anymore, just know that it's cortisol. And I want to leave you with this idea. Just keep in mind that continuing to work your Bright Line Eating program with your habits and your disciplines and your bright meals, maybe the floor version, not the ceiling version of your habits and disciplines, but continuing to stay bright will result in you prevailing in the end. You might feel like you're losing a battle when it comes to the bathroom scale, but you're not gonna lose this war. Just stay bright, stay steady, stay trusting. And these are unusual times we're in. Go gently, travel with ease. I love you. That's the weekly vlog. I'll see you next week.